This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And welcome back to Kindled. And man, it has been a minute since I have been with you guys. Uh, I took the summer off, as I always do, and that turned into a little bit longer of a break than I had originally anticipated. But I am so excited to be back with you guys, and I'm so excited to bring you this conversation today with Ashley Kinsel, um, a new friend that I met on Instagram and just found such a kindred spirit connection with. Um, especially as we both started talking about a very controversial topic at virtually the same time and, um, and, and really just both have a heart for this topic. Uh, and, and it's one that is not being discussed really a whole lot by Christians from a, a perspective of um, critiquing any of uh, what it offers, what the worldview of gentle parenting basically proffers uh, to Christians. And so... I'm excited to bring you this conversation. I know that it's going to be helpful uh, to to those of you who listen. Um, I will say it is certainly not a comprehensive or exhaustive um, analysis of gentle parenting. Um, As you may know, if you follow me on Instagram, I have been talking about this for the good, I mean, the better part of like the last two months, probably. I haven't, I didn't, I don't know exactly when I started, but I think it's, it's been over a month. It's probably been closer to two. And I now have, um, I have seven highlights on Instagram full, seven full highlights of stories. And so each highlight can hold a hundred stories. So that means I have 700 stories. Like, frankly, I probably should just start writing a book at this point because I, um, have become somewhat of a, an accidental expert on, on the, you know, analyzing this conversation and this topic of gentle parenting from a Christian worldview, um, as Ashley has as well, we have just been diving deep into this. Um, and anyway, it is, it is something that we care a lot about and I want you to hear in our heart and with our voice, something that you cannot hear all the time on, on stories that are typed out or on Instagram posts that we care about women. We care about children. We care about families. We care about marriages. Um, this is not just like a witch hunt. This is a, a topic that we deeply personally care about and are concerned. We are bringing it to you because we are concerned that it is one that many have overlooked, one that has gone under the radar, one that has deceived a lot of believers, and it has seeped into the church to a degree that um, very few people are even aware of. And so we are kind of sounding the alarm. We are drawing attention to it. We are bringing it up. Some people wish we wouldn't. Some people would rather we just mind our own business and stay out of it. And they're wondering why all of a sudden these two random girls are talking about this topic. Well, it's because the Holy Spirit laid it it on our heart to do so. And it has clearly 
um, it, it has become clear from the conversation that it was necessary and that it was time for someone um, to actually start talking about this and critiquing what this movement and what some of the ideas and presuppositions of this ideology carry with it that Christians may be unaware of. So that's what we'll be talking about today. Um, before we get into that, the other announcement is I plan to release less frequent episodes this season. It does not mean I will not be releasing new episodes. I am just not committed to every single week this season. And that is because life circumstances do not allow me to. I also um, have gotten to a place in this podcast where I value bringing you high quality conversations more than I value bringing you um, just a quantity of episodes. And because of the constraints of my own circumstances, um, I, I have to choose. I have to choose between just quantity and just going ahead and producing every single week um, or having really truly the, the quality conversations, the, the, the topics that are the most interesting and important to me to discuss on this show and to bring to you guys. And so I'm going the quality route. I would almost always rather go the quality route. And so that's what I'm doing. So you won't see an episode every single Monday. Um, I'm going to aim to do it as frequently as I can, but I'm just letting you know up front that it will be different than past seasons. But I also hope that because of that, the episodes will be more impactful than if I were just to release something that, you know, fills up your feed every Monday, but is not necessarily, um, you know, as, as good of an interview without, I don't know how else to say that, but just, just not, not as, um, rich. So anyways, that is that. And I guess without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Ashley Kinsel. Okay. So today on Kindled, I am chatting with Ashley Kinsel. Ashley, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited. So there's a bit of a backstory to how we met and why we're even having this conversation today. I think we um, have shared about this a little bit on Instagram just here and there, but we both um, had it on our hearts to start talking about gentle parenting, um, you know, via our Instagram pages and just literally days, days apart. We, we were both noticing this trend and Somehow, I, I think, I can't remember. Oh, I know. Someone who follows me sent me your page because something you were saying was was very similar to what I was saying. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love this girl. This is amazing. And <laughs> I just loved what you were doing. And I have appreciated so much um, just what you have added to the conversation on gentle parenting that that has been taking place on Instagram. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And I, I, as soon as I saw your profile, it was like, okay, this girl is my people. And then when I saw I was on vacation and literally had just been beachside with my family going, man, guys, I'm feeling this stirring. I'm really concerned about some things I'm seeing. And then you made this post and I was like, oh my word, yeah. like the spirit is unifying our hearts. And yeah. I had no idea what we were getting into, to be honest. I don't know if you did. <laughs> um, no, I had no idea. I mean, and just to be frank, like I, I didn't realize what a huge movement was no. happening around this. I really didn't know. I think, you know, you and I might've had similar experiences in that, that like, we've certainly seen the fruit of it and we, we've seen it, we've seen it out in the world. We've seen it in yeah. culture. We've seen it in friends. We've seen it in friends, children. Like we, we have certainly viewed it, but 
I don't know that I had a name for what I was seeing or that I realized it was part of this bigger movement and ideology and um, just push towards, you know, everything that gentle parenting stands for. I don't, I, I had no idea. And so it was really more of stepping on a landmine than, than planting anything that I intentionally meant to explode. Oh my gosh. That's, that's the perfect way to put it. And and I even talked about this in my stories today. I think the Lord protected me with, with some naivete. And I imagine it's the same for you. Maybe I would have been intimidated to dive into this if I had known how pervasive it was, 100%. but I mean, I didn't, I didn't know the players that were involved in this. I wasn't trolling people's accounts, looking to like throw rocks at people's windows. I had just seen a handful of things that came downstream from at least one person that I knew who has made a a pretty big name for herself teaching this and thought, Hmm, that's just, that's not right. But I never would have imagined it was as, as pervasive as it has now come to find. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a good, um, segue into, why we're having this conversation. And, you know, just for context, it is, um, we're both central time. It's nine o'clock. Like we've both probably had long days. Um, you know, I, I would normally be sitting on the couch with my husband watching an episode of alone right now, watching a man try to learn how to fish in the, um, you know, Canada wilderness and, and save his own life. I mean, I'm half joking, but mostly serious. Like this, the reason we're having this conversation is because we both deeply care about, about families, about children, about women, mothers, fathers, about the word of God and, and honoring God. And we are both moms. We both have, I think truly, I I know we both have a genuine heart to see God glorified and to see families united in truth. And especially in this day and age that is so incredibly saturated with lies and so uh so much pervasive error and distortion of God's truth infiltrating the church and that is that is my you know mo and that is where i always fall um is where where is the world in you know uh influencing the church more than the church is inf- influencing the world those are the places that i hang out because i'm like Mm-mm, you're not coming in this back door like <laughs> I'm on guard and I'm, I'm sounding the alarm and naturally that gets me in a lot of hot water because those are the places you that too. Okay. <laughs> you do. Yes. This is something we have in common. Um, anyways, I, my point is just that we, our heart is certainly not to just point fingers or throw rocks or condemn. And you won't hear that in this conversation. We're not here to tell anybody that, you know, it, it, that's not the point. It's not about, um, any one particular individual. It is about, uh, making people aware of deception really that is clouded at, and really portrayed as, um, goodness and truth and love and couched in the name of Jesus Christ. That's, yeah. that's what this is about. Absolutely. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah. I just, I know for me personally, my husband as a pastor went through a season of deconstruction after, we just honestly got kicked in <laughs> the stomach of our souls over and over and over again. And, you know, it did a, a really interesting thing to our marriage in that time. Eventually the Lord rescued my husband from his unbelief and, and changed his heart. And he really began to grow in the faith, but my heart had grown harder and I would not submit to his leadership. I, I felt like I had been alone in his deconstruction and these were my children and I was going to do what I wanted with them. And 
it wasn't until one of our daughters nearly died that I was confronted with the reality that God is God, that I am not in control, and that his word is true, whether I submit to it or not. But I need to submit to it if I am going to survive the storms of life. And I think knowing what what the discipline of the Lord did for me personally, um, I, I so fear watching parents rescue their children from godly discipline because I know that it, it actually brought me to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what I want for women. I want them to be willing to trust their children back to the Lord because that's who they belong to. They don't belong to us. Mm -hmm. And so when we decide that that we're going to cultivate a theology of parenting based on our own understanding, rather than what God's word has said, we forget that they don't belong to us, that we are just Mm -hmm. stewards of them. Wow. So can you go into that for a second? You just said you were saved through godly discipline. Yes. So what's your story there? Because so was I. So maybe this is, maybe this is why the Holy Spirit drew us together, not even joking. You know, first of all, let's talk about, let's talk about suffering. Why does the believer suffer? There, there are three reasons uh, succinctly that we can say the believer suffers because of their own sin or even, even the unbeliever uh, because of their sin, because of the sin of someone else, or because of, of the fallenness of creation, Mm -hmm. you know, so for my daughter personally, she was suffering because of a fallen creation that allowed disease to go sideways in her body and, and ravage her body and put her in septic shock. But for me, I know that I was in unrepentant sin. I know that I was masquerading as a, a believer who had affection for God, but did not live a life of repentance, wasn't mm-hmm. in the word, wasn't modeling anything other than moralism. And so when my daughter almost died, There were a good eight of those 14 days where her prognosis was unclear for us. And it was the first time that I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in me because I couldn't, there was nothing I could say. I wasn't in the word and and praying these things like, like you would expect a believer to. I was literally just, God, help me, help me. Um, And I, I was confronted with the reality that I I don't know if I actually believe that God is good. And I need to know what the answer is to that question. Because if my daughter dies, how am I going to say that he's good? If she lives, how am I going to say that he's good? Because I am forever changed by this experience. And and I still deal with brokenness from that. And and the Lord uses that. Um, But for me, it it was a moment wholly other than anything I had ever experienced where I was confronted with the reality that God is in control. And that if I was going to continue to say that I was a Christian, that I needed to have a biblical theology of suffering. And, and what I had prior to that was very transactional. Look, I'm a good girl. And so I do this, you do this. Mm -hmm. And I really viewed myself as Robin to God's Batman. Like, yeah, you're, you do it all, but I kind of helped, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I did not have this view of God that was, you are holy and set apart and, and I am a sinner desperately in need of a savior. And so it, it revolutionized for me what I believed about God. And and I truly believe that he um, was not disciplining my daughter. I believe she was subject to the sin of this world, Mm -hmm. but I do believe he used that to discipline me, to teach Mm -hmm. me uh, about his goodness, to teach me how I could walk through the valley of the shadow of death and still find him to be good and faithful. Wow. That is so powerful. 
Um, I mean, yeah, I thank you for sharing the details of that. I'm sure that's, that's still something that is very real and, and in some ways raw for you to, to recognize and deal with. And, and just, doesn't it kind of point to the weightiness of sin, like the weightiness of a sin before our, our sin before a holy and righteous God. And obviously, you know, recognizing that those of us who are in Christ, who have been redeemed and saved and rescued from um, paying that penalty, obviously of, of eternal death and separation from God, because Christ bore that on the cross, we don't have to live under the condemnation of yeah. God. Thank, thank God. But there's still the reality that any sin is, is a, a transgression of God's law and of what he has said is good for us as human beings, as his creation. You know, I, I say all the time, who gets to say what is good for us? He does. Like, I don't get to say, I'm not the one, I'm not the creator. You know, I'm, I'm the vessel. I'm that like, who are you? Uh, oh, you know, oh, clay to tell the potter what you should be used for or what you are or how you would like to be of service. Like he creates what he wants to create. And so that gets us into this conversation about gentle parenting, because there is a, there are some foundational um, issues that you and I take with this approach and this secular philosophy of gentle parenting um, and how it deals with sin is certainly one of those big issues. So before we get into that, let's just give a real brief, um, what do we mean when we say gentle parenting? Because this is one of the deceptions, as I mentioned earlier, that a, a biblical quality of gentleness is actually in the name. And so it's hard for some Christians to understand what in the world could you possibly have to say about gentle parenting that is negative. Come on. Gentleness is biblical. Why? What do you have to, what do you have against it? Why are you so against gentle parenting? Um, mm-hmm. So what do we mean? And would you like to give some color to what do we mean when we say gentle parenting? Yeah. And I, I you know, my husband, <laughs> he was like, man, if you want to if you want to create something that nobody can, uh, you know, speak out against, give it a name that you can't disagree with. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we saw the same phenomenon with black lives matter. Well, who, mm-hmm. who right. that loves God would disagree with that statement. Right. Of course, black lives matter. And so because we agree with the statement, the ideology got smuggled in and we didn't know what we were mm-hmm. saying yes to in many ways. And so in order to defend that we loved black lives, we also had to concede that we were for these other things. And so that's what I'm, I'm seeing in, in the language with gentle parenting is that it's named something that you can't disagree with it. It's named something that you can't disagree with, but it, it, it doesn't mean what it means. Mm-hmm. Um, so we understand that gentle parenting that its earliest roots come from the attachment parenting styles that Diana Bomberin created, where you either have the authoritarian, and I think that's how most of us would view like the 1960s, 70s type dad, you know, shaking his glass, come pour me my drink or I'm going to beat you. Um, The authoritative parent, which is what gentle parents claim to be, and then the permissive parent. I think what makes this so confusing is that the gentle parent would assert that they are an authoritative parent, that they are someone that models boundaries, although not negative consequences, 
um, and that they do it with modern psychology to determine what a child is cognitively capable of receiving and modeling our language and our behavior based on where they're at developmentally. The problem with that style of parenting is that it is inherently passive. When we concede that a child should not have negative consequences based on the biblical definition of discipline, we are absolutely being permissive. And so this is what I think continues to trip people up is you have what gentle parenting says it is, and then you have what it functionally is. And so that, that was the first post that I did on this was just talking about, okay, what are, what are the, the six tenets of gentle parenting and why do they sound good, but functionally create a problem? Yeah, that's hundred percent right. That it does. I want to tell you about our first sponsor of today. And that is so simple sight words. So simple sight words gives learners a chance to own sight words using the proven techniques developed by veteran elementary school teacher, Patty. So the four volume bundle includes all four volumes of sight word cheers, flashcards, and practice sentences plus a teacher's manual and full month of activities. Any of us who have taught kids how to read understand how frustrating it can be to uh, hit up those sight words that you know your child is going to need in order to be a fluent and successful reader, but be at a loss of how to help them master those. We've done the flashcards, we've done the repetition, and yes, sometimes that can work, but what about if that isn't working for your kid? And what if your kid is just flat out bored with sight words? This program is your solution. So simple is word ownership. It helps with fluency and it's fun. Visit so simple sightwords.com to learn more and use promo code Kindled to get 20% off your order. Again, that is so simple sightwords.com to learn more and use the promo code Kindled to get 20% off your order. That's 100% right. That it does, it does say one thing, but that it, the, you see that people are actually doing another. And that's been my, that's what has tripped me up even in, in discussing this is when you will talk about this with people, they will say, no, 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 you're describing permissive parenting. And I'm like, yeah. no, I'm not. I'm describing what you're doing. And I'm saying, I disagree with that. I know, I understand there's a difference. I understand you believe that you are being authoritative and that permissive parenting is just parents who let their children walk all over them. I don't have to say that you're letting your child walk all over you to say that gentle parenting is incorrect. That is that it actually flies in the face of, of scriptural commands for Christian parents. And so um, that has been, you know, kind of the um, Mason Dixon line in a sense of like, (laughs) whether you fall on the side of for or against, because it's like, do you believe that there are problem that there are actually problems at a foundational level with the presuppositions that gentle parenting has built in to the ideology? And that's what I have noticed is there are presuppositions that that means that this whole way of thinking presupposes it, it believes without saying it believes it, it just assumes that there are certain things that are true. Yeah. And that's called a worldview. And so it doesn't come from a biblical worldview. That's what I mean when I say that. And I've said that before, and I've gotten pushback from people who say, 
well, the world, the term worldview was actually not created until about 200 years ago. So that's not even a biblical term. Well, and you bring up something, you bring up something that like literally makes me want to pull my hair out. What we, what we keep getting caught in the weeds on in this conversation is definitions. And, Mm -hmm. And I, I've frankly gotten tired of trying to define certain things because I'm going, these definitions continue to flex no matter how, how much I'm trying to define them or how much you're trying to define them. So let's talk about the concepts. Let's talk about the concepts, mm-hmm. Quit labeling it, whatever it is. But this is also part of the problem with trying to adopt gentle parenting. So you have, you have gentle parenting, which is absolutely a secular parenting mm-hmm. style. Right. And then you have what you and I are, are concerned with, which is biblical gentle parenting. And Right there, I think where you and I have so much agreement is why are we going to culture and co-opting their thoughts Mm -hmm. and their language and then whitewashing them to have the the biblical vernacular? That's that's problem number one. one, Right. We we don't need we don't need what the culture has. And so where I think there's been uh, talking past each other is people think that you and I are disagreeing with certain tenets of gentle parenting because it's gentle parenting. And we're going, no, 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 we're, we're, we're disagreeing on these points because they're not biblical. And the things that you find palatable about gentle parenting are because they're biblical, not because they're gentle parenting, Mm -hmm. like scripture originated this idea, Mm -hmm. not gentle parenting. And so I see it in many ways, like, Mm -hmm assuming the glory of God for itself as being enlightened when really I'm like, this is just biblical parenting. This isn't gentle parenting. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes me think of, um, you know, one, one pushback that I've received is why can't you accept that there are those of us who are Christians who are just seeking to kind of, um, do parenting differently than our parents did. And a lot of people, a lot of people who are pursuing this ideology or who got turned on to it or who, who were made aware and have been curious about it are those who actually experienced what we would define as abuse and, and physical abuse or um, angry discipline and authoritarianism that was not actually modeled after sh- what scripture uh, commands of parents. And, right. and, and I could wholeheartedly say like what you experienced was abuse. Yeah. And, I, and yet that does not mean that are, we then go to the world and say, okay, well, I tried the Bible. Hey world, what do you have? No, it means that what was called biblical was not biblical. That means we should find what is biblical, not redefine what we should find somewhere else. Like that's, that's not the answer. And so people will say, um, why can't you recognize that I'm not, you know, have you seen, I'm sure you've seen Dr. Becky at good inside her whole philosophy, her whole platform. She has 2 million something followers. They're like, I'm not a proponent of Dr. Becky. I like the Christian gentle parenting. And, and frankly, for those listening, I got to tell you, I actually am more concerned with the Christian accounts or platforms or people who are pushing gentle parenting on the Christian uh, from a biblical worldview, quote unquote. I'm more concerned about that than I am Dr. Becky. Why? Because they're the ones making you think that it's perfectly fine. They're the ones who are selling you on that, on the poison. It doesn't have a big red X on the label. It says 
gentleness. Gentleness is biblical. That's what the bottle says, but inside is actually poison. And that's, that's why I'm not, that's why I'm not attacking the Dr. Becky's of the world. There's millions of them. You know, of course they have more clout and more secular sway than the tiny little Christian accounts who are, um, or platforms or individuals who are, you know, kind of indoctrinating believers with this, with this ideology. But those, that's where our battleground is, you know, as believers, like Paul says, like, who am I to be out there judging the world? I, I, my concern is not with the world. The world is already sitting under its own condemnation, right? They are sitting under the condemnation of God and will experience the judgment of God because of their actions. We are to be concerned with those inside the church. Yeah. That is where our focus is. That's where our energy is. That's why we're fighting the good fight. That's why we're enduring. That's why we are rebuking and exhorting and reproving. And that's, that's why we're doing what second Timothy four talks about, because that is our call as believers. It's not to deal with the non-believers outside the church. I mean that, you know, like we have to evangelize them. We don't need to argue gentle parenting with Dr. Becky. You know, she's not even a Christian. It's the Christians who need to, to submit to God's word. That's, you know, that's where my heart is on this. Exactly. We're, we're, if we're talking to the world, we're going to be preaching the gospel because Mm -hmm. they can't reason in this conversation without the gospel. And, and what I want people to understand right now, I'm steeped in Galatians. And so I'm going, guys, I'm, 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 I have righteous angst in this conversation because you know, better, you know, better. And this is another gospel. Mm -hmm. This is another gospel that denies original sin that denies our sin nature Mm -hmm. that denies our depravity before a holy God. And thus the beauty and the magnitude of what Christ has done for us. And if we don't understand that we will never actually get into the the fundamentals of the gospel with our children when they are most ready to receive it, when they, when their hearts are the softest and most open because they're under our tutelage and, and they are in our care. Yeah. And that, you know, that gets us into one of those, um, areas that it specifically, I would say like, this is, this is maybe one of my biggest issues with gentle parenting and there's many. And, and before I get into this, just want to give everyone the note. I meant to say this at the beginning that Ashley and I both have a ton of content that we've been accumulating and posting and, and really creating for several weeks now on Instagram, on each of our profiles, which I will link in the show notes. But I mean, I have now four parenting highlights. There's a hundred stories in each one. So that means I have 400 stories on gentle parenting. Ashley has about the same on her profile. So there's a lot. I mean, she has done a whole series of posts you can go look at, but there is so much to break down every single, you know, facet of why we believe it's unbiblical. So we obviously cannot get into every one of those in this one conversation. Um, but we want this to be more of, um, you know, an interactive, like back and forth exchange between she and I who have been absorbing all of this. Um, and so I, I hope that you will take the time if you're curious and interested in this to go and actually, um, learn about the specific facets and reasons that it's unbiblical. But one of the things that I have found the most concerning is, um, and, and this was from, um, you know, one account that is a, a self-professed Christian account that on the, on Instagram that promotes and teaches Christian gentle parenting, they have, you know, they have outright said as believers, we need to be very careful about teaching our children about vertical sin before God at a certain age. We need to wait 
to have that conversation until much later, because at three, four, five, six, seven, they are not able to understand vertical sin, like meaning that they have sinned against a holy God, the, the law of God, you know, they, they can't understand that. And so we, we really need to keep the conversation when there's disobedience, keep it to a horizontal level. Like you, 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 you hit your sister and that's not kind, or you stole and you know, we shouldn't be greedy or whatever. They want to keep it this horizontal level. And my concern, as you can imagine, is that, okay, so if you're robbing me of the years three to seven to have a conversation with my child about their sin before God, and all I can do is talk about the horizontal aspect and element of whatever their sin is, because they'll say, well, we believe in sin. Yeah, we just think you need to have it at a horizontal level. We need to have that conversation until they're maybe eight, nine, ten. I mean, you have robbed me of actually the most formative years in my child's life, the most malleable and influential time I have in their life to actually shape them and form them and speak truth to them and, and, and mold them as, you know, um, as, as children that know and believe the truth and have a, a worldview. I told you this, I think that, you know, I've, I've heard this on multiple occasions that a child's worldview is largely formed by the age of 10. Mm-hmm. So if you think about really saying, you know, wait till eight to 10, you are saying, wait until the last two years of a child's biblical formation period to talk about sin before God. And I cannot think of a more clever and strategic way for the devil to literally sweep the rug out from under Christian parents than to do that. And to say, Hey, 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 just, Hey, you can talk about it. Just wait until they're eight or nine. (laughs) You literally robbed me of the most critical years. I mean, I have, and this is why, you know, I, I'm glad that we're we're both in a similar season of life. I have an almost eight, a six, and a two and a half year old. I am literally in the thick of it. Yeah. I'm there with everybody else who's saying, well, I'm dealing with this tantrum issue, or I'm dealing with it. I get it. I'm right there with you. Like my children are sinners too. So, yeah. you know, and I just cannot imagine if I felt that I couldn't talk about that reality with my six-year-old because she couldn't handle it. I'm like, I'm flabbergasted that this is the teaching that Christians are accepting and that they are believing that this is somehow loving. This is what the Bible meant, you know, and, and what they're doing in that moment is exactly what you described. They are taking worldly philosophy, worldly education, worldly psychology, which by the way, you're a child psychology major. So (laughs) so that's always that's always my favorite thing to tell people when they're like, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, well, uh, <laughs> or do I? Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it, that is maybe the thing that, that makes me the most um, concerned with what this is doing to Christian parents is just robbing them of these years where it's like, wow. I mean, but that's the time you, if you miss these years, you have missed a critical period of, of formation of your, of your child that God gave to you. I mean, I just, it's, you, it's you unbelievable. Hit nail, you hit the nail on the head. And, and this is what I keep warning people against. If your lens is believing that your child is incapable of certain behaviors, what do you think that is going to do to your own training as a parent? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm a homeschool mom. I haven't been a homeschool mom for very long, but I've learned a lot about instructing my children in this process. And 
one thing I've learned is that there are many things that I have let fall by the wayside and just assumed would happen. And now that I'm in the thick of training them and instructing them, I'm like, oh, really should have taught the five-year-old her ABCs earlier. Mm -hmm. I thought she'd pick that up from the other three. Mm -hmm. Um, we, We don't understand that the things that are sticky for our children are usually the things that we don't want them to hold on to. It's, it's training their mind to think biblically that requires a constant and an intentional effort in us as parents. And so if I'm led by the belief, you know, for example, uh, that my child can't understand lying until maybe age seven, well, what kind of conversations am I going to cultivate for myself? What kind of muscles am I going to learn to flex if I go seven years without ever really engaging my child in that conversation. And further, if we understand children in our lives to be part of our own sanctification, what does it do to my own heart if I am not evaluating myself in light of my relationship with my child and their sin? Because that is where the humility of parenting comes in is going, oh, I see that in you and I don't like it, but I don't like it because I know that that's in me too. That that's really the only equality that we have with our children is that of being um, equal partakers in the gospel in that we need it because we're both sinners. But my authority as a parent is, well, now I'm, I'm going to teach you about why that vertical sin is going to cause you harm and what that means before a holy God. Are you looking for a historically tried and true way to teach your children foundational truths from God's Word? Then get started catechizing them today. Catechizing encourages not only children, but also adults to gain a helpful, systematic understanding of what the Bible teaches. The the basics and commandment catechisms from alongside them are based off the Children's Shorter Catechism. These are written with simple and short answers that are easy for your little ones to repeat and remember. A scripture reference is included on each page to dig deeper into God's word together. These are durable flip books with modern designs. Multiple ages can learn together from toddlers to parents, and they can easily be integrated into your Bible time, family worship, or morning basket. I talk about this all the time on Instagram, how we need to be teaching our children truths, simple truths they can remember and understand and recall to mind. I was catechized as a kid, and I still remember the questions and answers that my dad went through with us, and I treasure the fact that those are ingrained in me, and it's so important to me to do the same with my kids. Go to their website at comealongsidethem.com, and be sure to use the discount code KINDLED5, that's KINDLED, the number five, for $5 off your order. Again, check out the basics and commandment catechisms at comealongsidethem.com and use the discount code KINDLED5 for $5 off. You know, I hope that parents listening will will hear that concern and and do your own research. I mean, like, don't, you don't have to take our word for it. There is so much information online, unfortunately, around this, this topic that you can go and become an expert if you would like today in gentle parenting. Um, but you will see that that is, that is a huge piece. And, you know, coming from, let's, let's park for a second on, on that, you know, bringing the secular psychology or what we know, you know, you'll hear a lot of these experts start to talk and, and they sound, they sound, I'm sorry, they sound like the world. The way they talk is we start with what we can know about a child's brain. 
They start with what we can know about developmental stages. They start with all of those things. And I am, I am certainly not saying that that isn't real, that God didn't make us to develop from a young age to maturity. And that there's a lot of development that happens from zero to two and two to four. And I, I mean, I get that. Obviously I, I agree. That's real. Brain development is real, but they start there and then they let scripture fit in where scripture fits in. They don't start with the word of God. So what have you, what are your concerns around that issue? Because I know this is obviously a big area for you having a major in this, in this field of study and, and having done the series you have, what are, what are the the red flags you've seen in that area? So I, I think, I think the first red flag is <laughs> what we don't understand is how easily manipulated data can be. So mm-hmm. my degree is in child psychology and biblical studies, but my first job out of college was as a clinical researcher for a pharmaceutical company. And so my job was to take our product, take the in-house studies that we had around our product and to look in PubMed, look at the research that was being done by competitors or by independent studies, and and basically figure out where I could find supported research for our product. Mm -hmm. Well, what you begin to learn from those abstracts and the way that that, uh, these tests are conducted is that depending on how you manipulate the the gender or the ethnicity or the conditions of the people that participated in this study, you can kind of make data say what you want to sometimes. Mm You know, especially when you're the one paying for it. Oh, so we didn't see that in 2020. Never, never. Oh, so okay. we have to understand that like, just because it's a study doesn't mean it's not bias. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's my intellectual problem with putting so much faith in psychology. My second issue with it is the early church didn't need it. Scripture mm-hmm. was sufficient for them. So for us to be so heavily dependent on a supplementary supplementary resource is highly concerning to me, mm-hmm. uh, which leads me into my third concern. Uh, psychology is going to be based on the group that's being studied. So we're mostly talking about American psychology within the gentle parenting movement, which means mm-hmm. this is not psychology that applies to the global church. The way that you're going to study what happens in Chinese children and African children, those studies are going to yield different results about brain development because they're under different conditions. They're under different parenting styles. They have a completely different culture. Um, And and what we know about American children is that they're largely stunted, that we're not as competitively intellectual as other children in other countries. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really speak to a, a global response to what scripture says about discipline and about how we are to engage our children. Why does that matter? (laughs) Why should we care about a global response? Why? I mean, why can't we just assume that, you know, the United States has the most cutting edge research and data and studies available. And so that's what we should lean on. And I mean, we live in America after all. So why shouldn't we just, you know, kind of take that at it at its word and, um, do we not want the best for our children? You know, like that, I feel like that's, that's what they would say. Yeah. Well, and then we're back into a conversation on definitions. What do we believe is best for our Mm -hmm. child? I believe the gentle parenting movement wants us to cultivate children who are trauma-free and, Mm -hmm. and biblical parenting promises suffering for the believer, but it Mm -hmm. promises that God will be sufficient through it and that he Mm -hmm. will never leave us or forsake us. And so as one who has been well-disciplined through suffering, I'm going, 
please don't take that from your child. Yeah. That's powerful. I mean, that it, it makes you wonder like what, what exactly, how, how is a child who is gentle parented, even in a biblical sense in a Christian home, where are they going to encounter the reality of their sin before holy God? Where are they going to see their need for a savior? Mm. Where are they going to be overwhelmed and feel guilty before God, which by the way, I know that Brene Brown hates the idea of guilt or shame, but guess what? It's really effective for understanding that you need to be saved. Can I just tell you, oh my gosh, of course, like the more I talk to you, the more I'm like, where have you been all my life? Uh, one of the reasons why I am so passionate at this point in my life and just being honest and, and, and speaking God's truth clearly is because I was taken captive by so many vain philosophies. I used Same. to be an incredible student of Brene Brown. I have even led a worship set at a seeker sensitive church where I said, you know, guilt is feeling bad about what you've done, but shame is feeling bad about who you are. And God gave us his son to set us free from shame. Well, not, not exactly. Like shame has a purpose in the life of a believer. We should be rightly ashamed when we sin before a holy God. That is a right response. And we try to split hairs by saying, well, no, it's just us being guilty. No, no, no. What we need to understand is that we don't stand condemned when we sin. Mm -hmm. We don't experience um, the, the punitive correction Mm -hmm. of God because Christ has paid the penalty for us, but we do rightly experience shame when, Mm -hmm. when we sin before a holy God. And, and the result of that is correction, discipline, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's us correcting ourselves prayerfully, because that's a lot less painful, um, Mm -hmm. or it's, it's God correcting us to remind us that we are his children. That's what Hebrews 12 tells us. Right. Yes. That's so good. I got swept away by vain philosophies as well. And my, you know, flavor was the Enneagram. That was where, you know, I yeah. went down that path for a couple of years. Um, and I don't know if you know that we're still new friends, but yeah, I mean, the church I was at for 10 years, we left two and a half years ago, but the church I was at for 10 years from like the time I got married until literally three years ago, um, they, you know, they started out really biblical, really solid, really sound expositional preaching. And they started to drift and drift and drift. And all of a sudden I was at a small group leader retreat because we were leading a small group, um, at the church. And they brought in these experts who had written a book about that was basically Christianizing the Enneagram and what we can learn from the Enneagram and apply it to a biblical worldview. So in, in advance of going to this seminar, this week long seminar, I had to take the test. I had to find out my number. I had to you know, get all my results. And I was, it was just, it was a part of it. And so you show up and they, you know, you get your packet and my name is there and then my number is there and my score in each of the, in the categories and tells me, oh, you're a 98 on a three and a 95 on an eight and a 92. And I was like super high in like four or five numbers. And I thought that's weird. Like, am I, am I, what's wrong with me? Why do I have such a high score on like four numbers? This is very odd. And my husband was really low on everything. And his highest score on anything was like a 50 something. And I remember then they had an answer for that too. If you score really high on multiple numbers, that means this and this and this, and you're this type of person. And if you score low, that means you're this type of person. And you know, just, there was an answer for everything, but what it did for me that whole weekend, it, it turned me onto the Enneagram. First of all, and it made me 
thirsty for knowledge of self. So I then wow. dove head deep, like I do into any topic, as you can see with the gentle parenting, I've been talking about it for literally a month now. <laughs> I went on the deepest dive you can imagine into the Enneagram and I started, I bought all the books. I listened to all the podcasts, Susie and Stabile, Ian Cron, I think is his name. Um, Sleeping at last, songs. Sleeping at last, the song. Oh, it's so me. I all of it. I did all of it. I went there. I went deep and hard, and and I just consumed, consumed, consumed. Became an expert. I literally have episodes on this very podcast talking about how I'm such a three, and I just have to submit this into God. You know, like just the, it's embarrassing. It's truly embarrassing to talk about. <laughs> and I I've tried to go back and delete the episodes where that was mentioned, but I'm sure I didn't catch them all. So if you really want to laugh at me, just go start from episode one and see what you can find. But I did the same thing. And, and it is, that is why I'm passionate because I know how incredibly susceptible we can be to those, those philosophies and those ideologies that just scratch in just the right way, the itch in our ears, just just enough, you know, just what I needed to hear. Oh, that is, that, that feels so right. I just am so happy to have found this information. Where was this? Where was this all my life? It makes so much sense. It's so helpful. You know, you're just, it, it's so yeah. easy to get swept away. And then all of a sudden you're not reading your Bible anymore. You're listening to, you know, whatever podcast you're listening to Ian Cron's podcast with a, a seven wing eight who's married to a nine wing one and how does their marriage work? And and all of a sudden that's all I was learning about. And so, you know, in that season, and I, I've said this many times, the Enneagram stole time from me. Like mm -hmm. it stole years. Uh, it stole a couple years of growing in the knowledge of God, of recognizing my need for, for saving grace and the transformative work of the gospel in my life. It, it stole that from me and I'm not blaming anybody else, but myself really, but that's why I'm passionate about this because it's very much the same. It's very, it's the same conversation, just different topic. It really 100%. is a hundred percent. And I very quickly side note, I, I fell into the Enneagram too. And uh, my husband and I had, had watched the first American gospel and it was so profoundly impactful for me as someone who grew up under prosperity theology. I, I cried so hard after the first one that I didn't even speak to my husband. I just like rolled over and went to bed and had like a trauma nap. Like I was, I was so, <laughs> a trauma nap. I was like so oh. overcome. So my, my husband actually, um, and I, I hope he minds me. I don't think he'll mind me sharing this story. Um, we can edit it out of so. No, my husband won't mind, but oh. I, I hope, I hope Brandon doesn't mind uh, because Truly, I'm, I'm singing his praises and, and what he did in my life. But um, my husband became friends with Brandon Kimber, who puts out um, American Gospel. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we got to, to watch the second one before it came out. And, and I was using all this Enneagram language online. And, and Brandon reached out to my husband and said, hey, I see your wife talking about the Enneagram. And, you know, I, I just want to I want you guys to know, like, this is really dangerous stuff. And my husband never, never accepted it. And mm -hmm. we would, didn't either, fight, isn't that we would fight about it. And I'd be like, this helps me understand me and all mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. Okay. We're doing Enneagram next. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. And, and Brandon, you know, I was furious. I was furious. Who do you think you are? Oh, you know, and you yeah. didn't even come to me. You went to my husband. Right. You know? How offensive. <laughs> <laughs> don't you well, know who I am? I know, I know what I believe. I don't need I'm your help. smart. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I found out what I now know about the Enneagram and I, 
I wept. I felt so betrayed. Mm-hmm. I felt so taken advantage of mm-hmm. um, by the enemy. And I just felt angry at myself. Like, how could you be so stupid? Mm-hmm. How could you be so foolish? Um, and I've kept quiet about it for many years out of fear of offense. And and the mm-hmm. Lord these last few years has, <laughs> you know, clearly brought me out of people pleasing because now my, you know, profile mm-hmm. is, is discernment ministry, which yeah, the opposite. Is, uh, super fun every day. People offending. Uh, but it is exactly like that. It is okay. People truly believe they're helping themselves. And, and because they find the result favorable, they're not questioning whether or not it's biblical Yeah, Mm -hmm. and, and results and feelings are not indicative that we're being biblical. Yeah. There, There are many things that are satanic and godless that right. have the blessing of the world. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that they have God's approval. And so right. that can't be, that can't be our litmus test. Yeah. It just, this came to mind. Um, and I don't mean this in, in a triggering way for anyone who struggled with this, but it's, it's, it could be much the same as, you know, someone saying that, you know, their eating disorder is producing good results, but I'm losing, like I'm losing weight do you not see? Well, that doesn't mean that not eating or that throwing up what you eat is, is a biblical, yeah. <laughs> sorry, stewardship of the body that God gave you. Right. We, get, I think a lot of people could clearly, <laughs> sorry, I have something in my throat. I think that most people could clearly recognize that. Okay. Well, yeah, but that's a disorder. But any disorder, any ism, any disease, any like not, not natural disease, but I'm saying kind of, a, yeah. you know, more of a, a behavioral, something that we might choose um, or might engage with uh, even out of a place of, of a, a mental health deficit. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that um, those things can easily become something that we point to and say, look at the outcome. Look, look what it's doing for me. Look what it did. It helped my marriage. My husband started complimenting me more, or I felt better about myself. You know, it's like that, that isn't the litmus test. That isn't it. The outcome is not what God is after. Have you not seen if God was interested in man's best outcome? Why did any of the, of the disciples have to be beheaded or martyred? Why did Jesus have to die? Why did any, why did Job and all of his family and his wife, why did everything have to be taken from him? If God's just in it for best case outcome for humanity, because like you said, the Lord disciplines whom he loves and he chastens whom he loves. And that's a sign of his love. And it it doesn't always make sense to us. And in the moment, we can't always see how he's going to use that or redeem that situation or that scenario in our lives, but that's because he's God and we're not, and we can rest and trust that we have a good father. And if you believe the character of God, you do not have to understand everything. And I'm not saying that's easy. I'm not saying from a position of, you know, I've never been touched by, by the painful hand of God and and the waves that caused me to crash against the rock of ages. Like I have, you know, I, I, my parents got divorced when I had been married after one year, um, after they had been married 25 years, you know, so talk about, that's a life shakeup, you know, to endure and, and try and wrap your head around, wait, you guys haven't been happy for a decade. Like what, <laughs> you know, there's yeah. just a lot that we, all of us have things that we go through, right. That 
You cannot, you cannot dictate what is good or true based on the outcome alone. And so that, that can't be a litmus test. Absolutely. Um, one question shifting back into digital parenting. Cause I know we, we just went off a little bit on an Enneagram tenant. Uh, what's the word tangent tangent. I wanted I to say you. something else. Um, let's chat for a second about the thing that everybody asks about. And you said something before we started recording that I think is worth saying for people here listening. I got a lot of questions. I asked people, what questions do you have for Ashley? Tons of questions on spanking. Like that seems to be so many questions. The thing that people always equate to when, when we're having this conversation around gentle parenting or biblical discipline. So you mean spanking. So you're talking about spanking. And it's like, no, there's, there's so much more involved in this, but, um, but you said something that I would love for you to kind of re-express, um, in regards to, you know, what are your, what are your answers for people when they, when they're asking you questions about, well, should I do, you know, what should I do with this child? Who's three. And this is the situation and this is the tantrum and here's what we're doing and here's what they're doing. Yeah. What are your thoughts and your response around that? So I'm glad that you, you brought up the there's this overreaction to saying I'm concerned about gentle parenting. I cannot tell you how many people are going, Oh, so you like love to abuse and spank children. And I, I mean, Mm. if this were a drinking game, I would be blackout drunk. Like, (laughs) no, that's not what we're saying. And so let's, let's be clear. Any discipline that is abusive or sinful is not biblical period. Mm. The end. There is nobody (laughs) who is truly teaching the Bible that is advocating that. And I've seen some of the literature that, that people are reacting to and, and going towards gentle parenting because, and I'm going, yeah, I rightly condemn that literature that, that suggests you should continue to beat and beat and beat your child until they submit. That is clearly abuse and God condemns that towards anyone. So let's be clear on that. The second thing is I have, purposefully not broached the subject of spanking in my series yet, not because I I don't have a response or I'm unwilling to engage in that conversation, but because we're, we're unable to get there yet. So, so many people are asking about spanking when we can't even agree yet. Does the Bible suggest negative consequences for discipline? And what gentle parenting is suggesting is that because we are reconciled to God, if we're in Christ and he has paid our penalty, we should thus never give negative consequences to our children when they sin. Although I I still have yet to see biblical gentle parenting address a child actually sinning. I continue Mm -hmm. to see it, you know, whitewashed as being a, a lack of cognitive understanding. Yeah. Um, but we have to agree on what the Bible says about discipline before we can ever have a conversation about whether or not gentle parenting's form of discipline mm-hmm. is unbiblical. So the word discipline that we see in the Greek is the word pedia. Now, gentle parenting accounts that I've seen that claim to be biblical don't disagree on this. However, what I've noticed they do is they do not include the word chastisement in this form Uh, or excuse me, in this definition of discipline. Mm -hmm. Yes, discipline is teaching and correcting and educating, but it is also rebuking, reproving, and 
chastening or chastisement. Mm -hmm. And the biblical definition of chastisement is to painfully, negatively give consequences to someone who is in rebellion for the purpose of bringing them back to obedience. I don't think we value enough as parents that part of our role is to restrain our children from evil. But that's a good thing when Mm -hmm. we restrain them from evil. And that's one of the functions of the law. Like Mm -hmm. we are not under the the ceremonial or the ritual laws. Those have been fulfilled in Christ and we have a new understanding of them. But we do still subscribe to the moral law because Mm -hmm. it has been fulfilled in Christ. And now we are free to obey it through the Mm -hmm. power of the Holy Spirit. And so the the moral law was given to God's people to restrain them from evil. It Mm -hmm. still serves that function for us. Um, so a lot of you are asking about spanking and I am going, we're going to have that conversation, but we need to back all the way up and first understand what is discipline. Can we make a biblical case for the fact that negative consequences are part of biblical discipline? And I I think again, because it's built in the very definition of the word, we can't ignore that that's the case. Yeah. That's so good. I think you've done an excellent, excellent job of walking through this, like painstakingly, slowly, intentionally, just point by point, breaking it down. Um, And what you just said about the restraint from evil, that the law is, is actually the grace of God to the unbeliever. And Romans 2.14 says, even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it, because the law of God is written on the hearts of men. It doesn't say the hearts of eight, eight years old, eight year olds and older. It says the hearts of men. And so even from a young age, and I heard this on a podcast today, a Costi Hinn episode with, um, so a gentle or not biblical parenting expert, um, that, you know, the lady was recounting having a six, a six month old and, the baby crawling away to go touch the electrical outlet and looking back to see if mom was looking. And, you know, she was like, don't touch it. And the baby six months old crawling away, you know, is like waiting for her not to look so they could touch the outlet. And who hasn't experienced that? You know, we all have, and it's cute and hilarious. And I didn't spank my six months old. Okay. If that's what you're wondering, but (laughs) the point is that like that, that clearly there is an awareness of uh, I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> how, do, how does a six month old know what is wrong? How do they know who told them what good and evil is? They can't even talk. They can barely understand if you're, you know, it, th- that you're going to respond to them when they cry. They barely have comprehended that. And yet the law of God is written on the hearts of men. And so this, the, the law of God, the restraint that that provides is good. And I said this yesterday in my stories, it's good even for non-believers to follow. Like, the fact that a, that a, a Christian parent does not understand that requiring their child to follow God's law is good for the child inherently, even if they're not yeah. internally motivated to do so. It's yes. good for the child not to go out and murder. It's good for the child not to go steal. Why? Because it's breaking God's law and it's also breaking civil laws. And it's and all of these things are protections for us. And so it, it just is mind-boggling to me that so much deception has weaseled its way into the church like it always does, yeah. couched in beautiful lies, beautiful deception. And it it is so it is lipstick on a pig, but people love it and they and they absorb it and they make it their own and they 
and they take it in as their own and then it becomes part of them and they become part of it. And suddenly they are, they literally are the world. They are living just like the world, but they're calling themselves Christians and you can see absolutely no difference. Yeah. And, and it's not for me to judge their heart. I don't know the hearts of so many people that, that are doing these things. I think there's a lot of people who are deceived, who just truly long to do the right thing. And they're coming from bad backgrounds or bad, up, bad upbringings and they're struggling and they didn't have it modeled well. And, and I, and I, you know, recognize that. And there's, there's a lot of grace for that, I believe, but um, you know, I, I just think there is, there is very, there's very little room for Christians to adopt the practices of the world and to be informed primarily. And first of all, uh, by what culture is doing, what the secular parenting experts are saying, let's Christianize it. Let's Christian Enneagram. Let's, oh, we can apply, we can Christian, we can slap a Christian filter on this. It's like, it's like the Instagram filters, like slap your Christian filter on it and it's biblical. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> like, can we stop? Why are we doing that? We don't believe God's word is sufficient. We really don't. Like that's we really don't. And, and we don't, don't we don't believe how devastating the Bible says sin really is. I think the most inflammatory of my posts thus far has been talking about gentle parenting and the law. And, mm-hmm. and it's almost like people didn't even read it. <laughs> you know, well, I didn't. They don't <laughs> it's, uh, you know, the, the, the offense that, that we should still be obeying the moral law of God. Mm-hmm. Um, the We're offense- under grace. We're under grace. Yes, the offense of, of restraining our children from sin. And I'm going, if, if you don't value restraining your child from sin, then you have a wrong view of sin. Then you don't know how truly dangerous it is. And, and I say that humbly because um, I, I lived as someone for a long time who would have said that I believed I was a sinner, but functionally thought I was a really good person. Mm, yeah, and, and that's what I want to call people to. Um, there's a, there's a dualism to the way that we're approaching this, where with our lips, we're saying, this is what we believe, but functionally, this is how we are living. Um, mm-hmm. And, and the two don't meet. And, and that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to accept his truth in our heart and in, in our mind and for it to change our behavior as a result, for yeah. it to be that, that outward reflection of what he's done internally in us. Yeah. So I'm excited for your post that you're going to get into spanking. <laughs> I will say, I am excited to hear what you have to say about it. I don't know. I think uh, gentle parenting and husbands might, uh, I think that might be even more controversial than spanking at this point. So that'll, that'll probably be the next thing you're like, Hey, gentle parenting, where are the father's at? <laughs> well, that's a great point because I can't tell you how many people have told me gentle parenting almost ruined my marriage. Yeah. Or I've, I've also received messages from people who said, my friend is literally going through a divorce right now because of this. Like, I mean, that's real. That is yeah. not, I'm not making that up and I'm not going to well, show strangers, but, but I mean, it's, it, I, I have no difficulty believing that because I see, I see children who are raised that way. I see the moms who are thinking they need to raise the children that way. And then imagine what home life looks like. Imagine what the father who, if he's a believer is feeling internally, this, this can't be right. This isn't right. This, what are we doing here? And yet the mom is like, no, well, look, this is the newest information. The serpent said 
God did not really say, and this is why, like, frankly, this is why women aren't preachers. They shouldn't be pastors. I shouldn't say preachers, pastors. You just, just hit the nail on the head. We I'm are, sorry. are, sorry, we are sorry. taking and eating yeah. and we are giving in, in some cases to passive men who yeah. are helping us perpetuate the cycle. And, yeah. um, and I have a lot of compassion for those passive men because I know what it's like to be a woman that shouts down oh, a man sure. who wants yeah. to leave his family. Um, so the, the, that'll probably be the next installment because mm-hmm. I'm going, man, when we look at the language about discipline, it is primarily in the context of fathers to their mm-hmm. children mm-hmm. and, uh, fathers are, are sorely missing in the GP movement. Yeah, that's very true. Um, man, well, I know we've gone over an hour at this point. Um, you know, I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. There's so much more we could say, but um, any final thoughts as we're wrapping up this conversation about gentle parenting, where, yeah. where, where do you land after, after this conversation? Like what are, what's the most important thing you want to leave people with? Man, for me, the thing that I, that's just been burning in my chest all day long is I know how hard it is to hear this information. That's why I shared that story about the Enneagram. I know what it's like to be met with the most loving of rebukes and to just in your spirit go oh, like that. Um, I hope people will hear our hearts. I know that's always hard to discern with a post. And if someone's yeah. not following your stories or not getting any color that, that, that lends itself to the benefit of the doubt. So if you're listening and I hope you've listened to everything in context, um, for those of you that are struggling, I want you to know, like, we sincerely care about you sincerely. Mm-hmm. I truly believe the vast majority of people who have found themselves taken captive by this movement are, are simply women who are hurting and who yes. don't want to perpetuate that hurt. And that is a yeah. noble, that's a noble desire. Mm-hmm. Um, and the enemy would love nothing more than to take that noble desire and turn it into to something um, that can mm-hmm. actually continue to cause you more pain and more hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want the women who who think we're there to to throw stones to hear like we, I I don't know that I've ever examined my parenting more than when I began this series. Uh, yeah, I keep telling people same. the work that I'm doing is working on me. It's made me go, huh? Am mm-hmm. I that woman? Am I mm-hmm. involving my husband in the discipline mm-hmm. of our home enough? Like I need yeah. to examine myself. So um, that's number one. And number two, Haley, you said this earlier, like who cares what we think? Who cares what we say? We want you to know what God says. We want you to know what God thinks. And mm-hmm. if you're going to um, base something as important as your parenting on what you're hearing from experts and influencers mm-hmm. and psychologists and secularists. Um, don't take that information and make the word of God defend itself. Go mm-hmm. to the word of God first and make yeah. everything else bow the knee to that. That is such good advice. Wow. Wouldn't that solve a lot of problems? Like that would solve many of our problems. Just like God knew that would work or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's so, that's so good. And that's so true that if we start with that as truth and make everything else bow the knee, make everything else defend itself against that rather than taking everything else at its word and then seeing how we might interpret scripture or what hermeneutic lens we might be able to look at a certain verse on the rod through. (laughs) We both know who I'm talking about, but like 
that when we approach, that's another podcast, but when we approach scripture with this presupposition that, hey, A is true, therefore this verse cannot mean that. It means something else. Let me find out how, let me show you. I feel like it's that scene from my big fat Greek wedding where the dad, have you seen that that movie? Yes, but not my big fat Greek wedding. He's like, I will tell you how any word it is starts with Greek. So he's like, give me a word, give me a word, any word. And she's like, kimono. He's like, oh yes, kimono is kimona, which in Greek means robe. <laughs> he like, so he just always finds a way that's obviously made up and fake to, he's so obsessed with the fact that he's Greek, that he always brings it back to how, you know, everything, everything is Greek. And so, but he, but he's, he's twisting and distorting and, and yeah. just making stuff up as he goes. And it's funny, but that is how I feel about a lot of what these people are doing with scripture is show me a verse, any verse, and I'll show you how it doesn't mean what it says. Let me see. Oh, look at the Greek. It doesn't, this word means something else. And oh, in the Hebrew, this is something I'm like, what is happening? Why are you, oh, wait, why are you doing that? Because you have presupposed that this cannot be what scripture says. And so even when scripture says it, you find a way around it. Isn't that funny? You find a way to explain away. God didn't really say, did he really say? Well, it's just, it's happening over and over. Just a little kernel for those of you signing off, you know, as we see these arguments from biblical gentle parenting accounts that that claim they understand these verses in their right context. I find it odd that that verses that discuss biblical discipline span all genres. We have verses from narrative. We have verses from poetry. We have... And you're talking about biblical genres. Of, yeah. Like there are different... Some people may yeah. not know that, but there are different genres of scripture. Yes, there's, there's historical narrative, there's poetry, there are, um, what else? Um, we we have, we have it in didactic mm. literature. So to say this word doesn't mean what you think it means. Uh, I, I think it's very intentional from the heart of God that, that it spans the different genres of scripture so that we don't get to just interpret it through Mm -hmm. one genre. We, we have to take the word for what it means mm-hmm. in context. We don't get yeah. to write it off as allegory simply because it's part of poetry. Yeah. Right. Man, man. Well, I, I appreciate so much you taking the time to chat with me and doing this until, you know, past 10 o'clock at night. This has yeah. been so fun. And, um, I hope encouraging people, I know it probably feels like we didn't even scratch the surface and, uh, yet, we have been digging very deep on Instagram. So if you've been there, you know, if you haven't check out Ashley's profile, it's at Ashley and your last name is Kinsel, K-I-N-T-Z-E-L, right? Yeah, that's it. All right. And then I'm at Haley.Kindled. So you can um, dive deep into our parenting highlights there. Um, I would love to have you back on for a part two, if you're down. Do it. Okay. We will get a part two on here when the time is right and we will continue the conversation and dive even deeper into that other topic that shall not be named and um yeah this has just been so great so thank you for everything you're doing and is there anywhere else that you would like for people to connect with you online besides instagram nope i think that's good for now okay perfect thanks again ashley thanks for being here bye guys 
Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope and pray that that conversation was helpful to you. I know it probably feels like we barely scratched the surface. It does to me anyway. And that there's so much more I wish we could have said. Um, I really do want to do a, a part two with Ashley. And she said that she is open to that. And so we'll get that scheduled and we'll bring her back on to just dive back into this topic. I mean, it's it's just a huge field of study. It's a huge uh, conversation that we're having there are so many aspects to this and sides of the conversation around biblical discipline and secular ideology that we, we certainly couldn't cover in one hour. But uh, I hope that that was something that um, just gave you more perspective and insight into the problems that we have kind of been picking apart with gentle parenting in regards to a biblical worldview and what the Bible actually says discipline is to be. Um Again, I encourage you to check out our Instagrams and um, feel free to email me any questions you may have. I'll try to point you in the right direction. My email is Haley, H-A-L-E-Y, at kindledpodcast.com. All right, guys.